It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Inside the Birds is back. What's going on, everybody? Jeff Mosher here with Adam Kaplan, former Eagle Billy Osborne. Inside the Birds, presented, of course, by Present Your Head. I'm sorry, Defend Your Head, who have been our loyal sponsors since the start. Guys, it's um, Friday of the week after that the Eagles season ended. We are doing our first podcast since. Uh, I want to remind everybody, all our listeners, that not only are we doing this thing you know, throughout the season, and we had a great season, and we really enjoyed bringing you all the information that we could on this podcast, but we're going to continue to do this thing throughout the offseason. Adam, you just got back from, what, the bowl circuit? You were at the Tropa, Tropical Bowl? Right, two weeks ago, Tropical Bowl, Jeff. And the East-West Shrine game? Correct, yeah. So I was in Tampa this week, and the week before that, the weekend before that, I was in Orlando. In fact, my wife said, why did you, why did you just... Stay there. Like it's only a two or three hour drive, and I should have done that, but I didn't know until the last minute that I was going to go to the Tropical Bowl, where three players were drafted out of. And then the East West Shrine guys is where Nate Sudfeld was. I saw him a couple years ago, right, uh, coming out of IU. But uh, that's a much better All Star game than the Tropical Bowl. Mm-hmm. Now the East West Shrine is played inside the Tropicana Dome. Mm-hmm. That's where the uh, Blue Jays, the Blue Rays play. And uh, it was actually really cold there. It was in the high 40s, low 50s all week. So oh, I, feel, of, I feel terrible. I know. Hey, it was, <laughs> you know, I, I felt uh, like I was glad I was inside. So No wonder why your wife told you to stick around Yeah, exactly right. Longer. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I typically come home with the uh, farmer's tan, but I didn't have it this time. There you go. All right. So you're, this is what's going to be huge for the podcast. We're going to have guys like you, Ozzy, working his sources, me and mine. And we're going to bring a lot of information about some of the kids that the Eagles will be scouting during the pre-draft process, we'll obviously talk about free agents and trades and everything like that. Before we really get into all that, and we're going to do that heavily today, let's take a look back. It's our first chance to really reflect on what happened in the 2014 loss down at the Superdome last Sunday to the Saints. Uh, Adam, I want your initial take on just the game and what happened. The game surprised me, guys, in that I did not, th- you know, I didn't pick them to win. I did pick them to lose. I thought it'd be fairly close. But I didn't see them coming out like they did. I mean, to go up 14 nothing was shocking. I remember talking to someone with the Saints who I saw this week. They were shocked. They didn't know what to think. They were like, uh-oh. We're, you know, we, we know what happened the, the game before that. But we all knew that the Eagles roster was better mm-hmm. since that first matchup in Week 11. Uh, the, I think just my first reaction was 
the reality hit them that they're a flawed team, but they they play so hard for this coach, which we've been saying in recent weeks. Yep. But they've got a lot of work to do. But I just my first reaction to that game was good for them. They kept it tight, which we thought it would be. I think all three of us agreed. Mm-hmm. We all did pick the Saints, did we not? No, I think uh, uh, Ozzy picked I, the Eagles. I, I oh, picked, did you? I picked the Eagles tw- uh, sixteen to ten. Yeah. Did you think it was going to be that low scoring? Really, well, I don't yeah, remember yeah, that. Closer than I was. We were. Well, yeah, I thought it'd be way more high scoring. In fact, my I, I was you know I said on our show, I don't see a, a way that the Eagles could win the game scoring you know, fewer than thirty points. Well, it turned out to be true technically, mm-hmm. but man, uh, I, I give them credit for that. They were ready for that game and very well coached. Ozzy, from a former player standpoint, watching it, I know you've got like seven hundred and two pages of notes from the game. So, can yep. you give us the abridged version no, of where you think the game was lost for the Eagles? Okay, first off, my actual score I picked was twenty-eight to twenty-four Eagles. Oh, uh, see, yeah, 28-24. It's under though. That would have yeah, been the under. If they would have scored, it would have been. Uh, let's see, if they would have scored, there would have been twenty-one twenty, right? Right. Uh, so, uh, and secondly, you would think that uh, my, my fellow compadres would be appreciative of the fact that I sat down and took notes during the game and did all that stuff. And Absolutely appreciate it. Yes, but you just don't want to hear now, it. Now, cut okay. to the chase. Yes, uh, cut to the chase is the team played well. Um, it just shows you how like little things along the season do matter, and there's breaks that they got last year that, you know, unfortunately they didn't get this year in that game. You know, there's, there's things you can point to. I thought that they came out and they played really well. They executed. The Saints were on their heels. Breeze actually looked, you know, he looked like a little rattled, which was kind of surprising. He caught that, that shot of him on the bench after right. they were down, and then he fumbled a, a snap. He looked really rattled, and uh, they had a chance to really, I guess uh, you could say, really put the, 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 you know, the, 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 the stake in the heart when they had him at second and 11 from the eight-yard line after that sack. And then Jernigan got the taunting penalty, and that started a series of events that you just never know in football. And instead of the Eagles getting the stop and getting the ball back on the plus 50, they get up to that point, the Saints hadn't even got a yard. And then they get their first first down, they get out. We all, uh, Graham almost gets the strip sack. He misses that, but they do get the ball punted to him at the 30-yard line. But, you know, the game's called differently when you're at the 30 versus the 50, and three plays later, they throw the pick to Ertz, mm-hmm. and that started the, really the momentum shift. So you can almost argue that the even though that they were in it till the end, you felt that the, 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 the start of losing came fairly soon after they were up 14 nothing. You, you felt that momentum shift pretty early. Yeah, I felt the momentum shift to when Jernigan got the penalty, and then I really felt it when we went into halftime and they got three points and then we came out of the break. Three and out. Three and out, plus it burned a timeout, and they went on that 11-minute, 19-play, 92-yard drive and score. So that was important. All that being said, let me just say this. When they got the stop at the end and they missed a field goal, I actually thought, we're going to score. And my only concern at that point was, how much time we're exactly. going to leave on the clock? I think we for were Breeze. all thinking that. Is that unbelievable? Considering it, that that game for literally twenty minutes, everybody was thinking we are literally not even in the same level right now as the Saints, but they hung on. It's kind of the story with Nick Foles and many of the games that he took over is that you weren't sure what was going to happen, but he had the ball in the hand in his hands in the fourth quarter, final drive, and so many times. That has come out in favor of the Eagles. Jeff, if you remember in 2013, Nick's magical year, they yes. lost to the Saints at home. He didn't have a great game, but he he put, he put set them up for a chance to win. Threw a touchdown to Zach Ertz That's right. on his final That's possession. Right. So, so, Bill, your Eagles, because you always say we, your Eagles definitely have a lot of heart. I, I, I give him a, I give him a touch. French. 
Well, and he was agreeing with you. We oui, oui, oui. monsieur. Yes, well, I, yes, I, yes. I, I did get a couple checks from them, so I guess I kind of <laughs> feel, you know, that. But hasn't it been like 28 years? Yeah, it has been. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I, I guess I, I'm a little bit of a homer. Sorry. It's okay. No, but you're right. I no, it. we like but, it. But I, I do, think it adds a little. I do. I no, do no, we know. We, if you, listen, do you, man. It's oh, fun. It's you. fun. Do you. I love that phrase. Anything that gives Adam and I some ammunition to make fun of you is absolutely fine. Bring it on. My takeaway from the game, guys, is more of a, and kind of what Bill said, and you said, Adam, and I'm going to put a big macro on it. Um, for It's very hard in the NFL, no matter how good you are, to have to continuously go on the road and play these very good teams, the 10-win Rams, the 11-win Rams, I should say, 10-win Texans, uh, obviously the Bears with 112, and play a near-perfect game, or if you don't, just get enough breaks like they did against Chicago to keep doing that and doing that and then come out with a Super Bowl win. It's there, there's not there's a reason why last year they won the Super Bowl by having two home games in the playoffs and they just to ask them to continue to play almost perfect or get breaks every game is too much they made too many mistakes Nick Foles threw two picks Tim Jernigan as you said had a really bad taunting penalty they don't stop a third and sixteen not because of Jim Schwartz not blitzing but because Nigel Bradham has a chance to make a tackle two yards before the first down marker and doesn't do it. And when you don't make all the plays that you need to make on the road against the best team in the NFL in a divisional round game, you're going to lose. They played well. They just lost to a team that was better. Yeah. I mean, th- think about it. They gave up 35 points over two weeks, okay? The defense was not the problem. The Can problem is the offense. Can you believe that Jim Schwartz took as much criticism <laughs> it's, it's, I, I and don't blame even, as he did? I, well, you know, it's funny. You and I put some scoops out this week on coaches, okay? And I'm laughing, and I'm seeing these morons saying, Jim Schwartz should have been first. I'm like, and I don't, I don't not get into Twitter beasts or wars anymore. I don't even respond to questions anymore. Right. Usually, if I think it's a really good question, if I have time, I'll answer it. Mm-hmm. But the stupidity of some of the fans here, I just, I, I don't look. You could criticize Jim Schwartz all you want, which okay? we have done by right. the way. We are not at homers times, right. for Jim Schwartz. We have criticized him. At right. Time. Right. We're not homers for anyone. We're, we're, our job is to tell like we know it. Mm-hmm. And Jim Schwartz overall did a very solid job considering what he was asked to do with that secondary. So to, to blame him, again, they gave up 35 points in two games. You should be winning that game. Right. Their, their offense scored 31 points over two games. Not acceptable. Period. That, that's why they lost. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And if you go back and you see stuff, besides the interception to Ertz, right? Mm-hmm. They also had a chance to on Tate when he was running the post corner. It was under thrown ball, right? Yep. The other one in the slot when Aguilar was running that skinny post, there was a hot read, and he did not look at he, it. Yeah, and, he didn't and Nick, turn around. And Nick hit him. If he catches that ball in stride, you can see he might go to the distance. If the he, plays if he were catches there, it, right? And the then, plays were there to be made. Of course, the Jeffries drop and Jeffrey drop. And then Tate also had a bang bang catch when he could have caught it, and he dropped the ball too. So you know there were there was plays to be made. Um, there were so many things that happened, and to be if you, somebody said to you that you were going to be with the ball in the final two minutes of the game on the road against the Saints after being on the road for six of the last seven weeks, yes, and playing some really tough teams, and you had that chance, I think we all would have said we'll take yeah, it. Yeah, you just can't live on the edge week after week after right. week like that. All right, yep. let's talk about real quick. Our let's give our opinion on the season in totality. Was this 2018 season a good season? For the Philadelphia Eagles, Ozzy. Uh, yes, I think it showed them that things don't come easy, and just because you won one year, it does not matter at all the next year. And it goes; it really shows you 
how unbelievable what New England is doing up there to be able to consistently win year after year when you have to play so many different things, the salary cap and people changing and, and systems and coaches coming and going. So I think on a whole, it was a positive year for the Eagles to build for the future, especially considering what happened at quarterback and the fact that they were playing things. And one thing that was really evident, that Fletcher Cox is an absolute monster. He's a beast. Adam. Good season, bad season. I would say good, and, and the big thing at WIP is like there's, you know, people are trying to say, well, was it a success or not? I would say it would be a success when you take a macro view of everything they had to deal with and were challenged with. Was it the Super Bowl? No. But they were not getting the Super Bowl, folks. Just based on what they had to deal with, I didn't think they would get there. Now, I would also tell you, and Bill just touched on it, I think we would all agree, the Eagles were probably going to score there against the Saints. The Eagles already won at L.A., and they, they pushed Dallas to the limit the next game. But I just don't think, based on what they were having to deal with, you could think that they were going to win the Super Bowl with all the flaws on the roster. I just don't think it was possible. I think Doug Peterson did an excellent coaching job. He is the man to bring this team back to the Super Bowl. Uh, if I know this front office well, they're going to work tirelessly to figure this out. They've got a lot of work to do, which we'll get into the rest of the show and future shows. So to sum it up, I think this is a successful season. Way more successful than I than I thought after they lost that first Saints game when I thought there was no chance they were getting the playoffs. I feel like the movie is like, was like a reverse sitcom. Most sitcoms, like movies, I should say, are really good to begin with, and then they end formulaically the same way. Like Wedding Crashers, great example. Really good movie for the first hour and ten minutes, and the ending sucked. Well, this was the reverse. This was a bad season for 75% of the season, and the only thing that made it not bad, because remember, they were under five hundred going into December, was a, uh, was four or five weeks of just really exciting, good, well-executed football. Now, it's up to people to decide whether that five weeks compensated for the fact that for the first 13 weeks, it was bad football. All bad coaching, bad everything, bad luck with injuries. <laughs> and so I, I hesitate to call it a good season because for most of it, it was a bad season. But I will say this. I think something good came out of it. And what came out of it to me was Doug Peterson, and Adam was just talking about it. His image and reputation was, is, and now has permeated throughout the league, as people have told me, is as a guy who has his players back, who never lets the adversity, a lot like Andy Reid, get to him, never wears it on his sleeve, and that's why his players play hard for him. And as we go into this, and we'll talk about it now, this offseason of major change, this team's going to have to try to figure out a way to get players in here without paying them top dollar, especially about, of course, Carson Wentz gets the extension. The best way to do that is to either have a winning culture, like the Patriots do or other teams, or to have a coach that people just love and want to play for. It seems like you might have both here. Yeah, and to just add on to your point, it ended in a, I think it ended in an upswing. And I think that's what you want to, at the end of a season, you always want to be kind of building off of the end of the season. And, like, you know, uh, Cleveland started out in a certain way, but they ended on an upswing. I think they feel good about going into the offseason. Other teams, not so much. Maybe like the Packers, you know, they kind of – Sure. Right. So the Eagles, I think, on a whole, they feel like there's some positive momentum to build on. The things that we saw – like I saw Doug Evolve as a play caller, and you could see it that he was committed to the run, and we just talked about it. On first down in that first half, he ran the ball – 12 out of 13 first and 10 situations and nine in a row. Mm -hmm. He never did that. Now, in the second half, when they had the lead, he got away from that, and I think they paid for it a little bit. But he, I think, evolved, which was, it's not hard to, it's not easy to do when you've been in the league that long. So I give him a lot of credit. And the thing that you said, and Adam mentioned that 
he has his hand and the pulse of that locker room. And you could hear, and I believe it was, I think it was, um, I think it was uh, Nelson who said it afterwards that we really do love each other. This locker room is different. They actually do care about me. And when you have a player saying that, I mean, that's something to build on because when free agents come in, that's the message that they're going to hear. It's pervasive, and people get to and it's widespread, and it can only help the Eagles going forward. Now, I'm going to caution our listeners. Don't go out and buy too many Eagles jerseys that are our clearance racks right now because the season's over because those jerseys with the last names on them might look a lot different because, as we mentioned, this is going to be a big season of change. And, Adam, it already has been. You and I tag-teamed on a couple of scoops on Thursday with coaching staff changes. Now, the funny thing is – Doug Peterson was asked at his press conference, hey, are all your coordinators going to be back? And he said, yeah. So everybody's like, oh, okay. Yes, they will. Nobody asked about assistant coaches, and clearly we've had changes. As we reported, uh, defensive line coach Chris Wilson is out, which surprised a lot of people. Uh, Wide receivers coach Gunter Brewer, out. Not really that much of a surprise if you kind of hear the chatter going on. And assistant offensive line coach Eugene Chung. Now, we're, we're recording this on Friday. No official announcement has come from the team. We know this is true, but... That doesn't. So what I'm saying is something else could happen. But let's let's go into this. What do you know about why these changes took place, especially on the D line, which was so good for the last three years? Yeah, we'll start with Chris Wilson. That was the one, Jeff, out of the three that was a surprise to me. I I didn't see it happening. Um, the the what what happened was over the last 48 hours before you and I broke the story, uh, multiple coaching sources said that he had contacted them and looking for work. So I kind of knew that something was going on. Uh, that's usually what you hear is that through the coaching grapevine that guys are calling around looking for work. Well, you don't usually do that if you have a job. Like you, if you if your contract's expiring, and you're concerned about having it renewed, maybe. But the fact of the matter is he's not coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right from the surface when you have so much production, how could this guy not be coming back? And the other thing is when you when you don't bring someone back, whether you fire them, let their contract expire, which by the way Andy Reid did a lot. He didn't typically fire them; he just let the contract run out and let those guys find jobs. Uh-huh. You better have someone on your radar that you want to bring in because it's late now. We're we're getting toward the, the senior bowls on Monday. We're taping this Friday afternoon. The senior bowls generally the last stop to hire coaches. Unfortunately, unfortunately, the Eagles went to the Super Bowl and won it last year, but they got started so late that they had to that they had to hire Gunter Brewer very late, mm-hmm. actually closer to the combine, I'm told. And that's why they hired a college coach. And and ironically, both of these guys, Jeff, are college coaches. I think college coaches, look, I mean, there's been many who have succeeded, but there's also... Scotland. Yes, there's also been many who have not. And obviously these two, Chip Kelly for the first year in Eagles. And I think that they face... Ozzy, the, the difficulty in adjusting to having to work with pro players and different kind of animal, you know, guys with responsibilities beyond football, families. It's in college, we, we talk about this all the time, why Chip Kelly and Nick Saban are good there is because they tell a guy to run through a wall and he runs through a wall. In the NFL, you tell a guy to run through a wall and he says, well, what's my wife going to do if I run through a wall? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, <laughs> and I don't know if they, can, they, they understand. And I'm not, by the way, I don't want to suggest, and I'm not trying to, that both Chris Wilson and Gunter Brewer were fired because they had poor player relations. Right. I'm just saying that, as Adam pointed out, it's weird that two college coaches on the, t- on the staff and now they're gone. You it, know? It, it really is. And uh, the coaching, I mean, I think we really saw that with uh, – to Flippo leaving and Frank Wright leaving, that really did impact the Eagles in ways that, you know, for the casual observer, they might not understand. But from people who understand football, it really impacted Doug Peterson and the schemes that they brought out each week. 
And it took them a good, I'd say, two-thirds of the season until they settled into, a, a, I, would, I would think, a nice rhythm and a nice job of understanding the personnel and then attacking the other teams. It's crazy. I just talked to my agent last night, my old agent, Tony Agno, and he's out. I just in, saw him a couple days ago there, yeah. yeah oh, shout out to Tony so, and Tony's Rich Rosa good, yes. and everybody at EAS. Uh, EAS, Eastern Athletic Association. So Tony's out, out, out in California at the NFLPA mm-hmm. Bowl, uh-huh. uh, College Bowl. We have a, a guy from Wildwood who he's representing out there, a running back who's uh, coming up. He's been talking, he, you know, he told me I talked to Bruce Arians and he talked to Todd Bowles uh-huh. because those guys are trying to put their staff together. So to your point, these coaches that may or may not be available are also, if they're good, they're being talked to by a lot of other teams. So mm-hmm. you have to really use your relationship, use your timing, and sometimes you might want a guy, but he's also wanted by other teams. So things have to move, and they have to move quickly. Don't you think the Eagles have to be – I think a wide receiver's coach you can find, right? It's not going to be this fine-tooth comb type search, but for the system that Jim Schwartz runs, the wide nine, the one-gap upfield scheme – you, I don't think you can just bring in a defensive line coach who's either specialized in the two-gap or is mostly familiar with the 3-4 and, and expect him to just be as good of a defensive line coach. Don't you have to find a certain guy that fits this scheme just like the players do, the, a coach who understands how to teach that? Absolutely right. I'll give you just two quick examples. For, for sure, Billy Davis, who was the defensive coordinator here for a while. For Chip Kelly, correct. right. He went to Ohio State. And if you go back there and I talk to Billy, he never really settled into the Ohio State system because he's been coaching in the NFL so long. Interesting. And he had problems being able to communicate and teach the college kids because he's been used to doing something else for so long. Right. And that was a knock on him. Now, for the Steelers, they just hired Tara Austin from the Cincinnati Bengals, used to be the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. They got a fit because for coach, for the Steelers, what they have out there, they, he's used to that system. So now he's able to move in and come right away. That wide nine, as you're talking about, is different. Right. And it's an attacking type of a scheme. And you guys usually don't bring pressure. You got you know, it's a gap, but you also have to be really good in the run stop, too. They're expecting you to not only stop the run, but also get upfield. So it's a tough thing to coach. And you can't just pick a guy who doesn't understand it because then you have to coach him up, right. teach him, and then he's got to go teach the players. Now, they talked about Chris Wilson's experience at Mississippi State, USC, in variations of running the wide nine and why it would fit. But, Adam, I, I kind of feel like. You know, far be it for me to tell them who to hire, but with with them now getting rid of two guys who came straight from college, they need not only a guy with wide nine experience, one gap experience, but who's coaching the NFL a little bit. Yeah, in fact, the uh, if you remember, um, if they did not get uh, Chris Wilson, remember they actually were going to bring back the guy who was, was under, it Rory Segrist? Rory Segrist, yes, yeah, I remember that. And he decided not to come back. How about that? Th- yeah. That guy got fired here and. He was a key, he was where he needs to be in college. He's a much better college coach. So, uh, so the, so they're looking for a D line coach. Uh, any, any chance this time around? Maybe they'll call Rory again. I don't know about that, but okay. um, Philip Daniels is their assistant D line coach, who's a former Washington Redskins defensive end. So he's still, I'm told, under contract. He's still on the roster as a coach. And then with Gunter Brewer, uh, look, I heard for several weeks he was not going to return. Most likely, um, just didn't work. He's a college coach. I think he. The smart thing going back to Louisville is where he's going to coach in college. Yeah. Um, remember, Jeff, they started late. They started, they got him, uh, I'm going to say, probably after the combine, probably like mid to late March. Mm-hmm. That's what you get. I mean, it's not their fault. They, unfortunately, you know, when, what happened was Filippo left, um, Frank Reich left. So they had to move some coaches around. Mike, who, Mike Rowe did a phenomenal job as a receivers coach, is now the OC. And they have to have a list ready of, and they. I'm told they went through like six people. 
a bunch of college coaches as well. Now it wasn't just Gunter Brewer. And Brewer's at, we know about Matt Collins. We know about Des Bryant. He was at Oklahoma State, Gunter right. Brewer. Right. And he did a good job of developing those guys. But I think you hit on it right. The way you coach in college is not the way you're going to coach in the National Football League. It's just the way it is. There's not, I don't blame Eagles for hiring the guy because they didn't know that, that it wouldn't work, but it didn't work. They did the right thing. Mm-hmm. In their minds, they need to move on from him, and they did. We should also and- mention that the job of a position coach in the NFL isn't just limited or reduced to how your players perform on the field or else Chris Wilson would still have a job because his defensive line did fine, right? There's game day planning. There's responsibilities that go on as far as putting together the 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 uh, I'm sorry the playbook or the, you know the game preparation. There are just uh, there's relationships with the players that you have. They may perform well, but if you don't have great relationships, so it's not just about whether or not everybody at your position did well. There's a lot of behind the scenes that that goes in, involved in that too. Yes, and I think with Doug Schwartz having a lot of experience in the NFL, I, I'm just throwing this out there. I don't know any inside skinny. I'd be surprised if they hired someone that was not a friendship or had some type of relationship with Doug Schwartz. Jim, Jim Schwartz. Schwartz. Jim, Jim Schwartz. Jim Schwartz. Jim Schwartz. I, my, my feeling is that because of his uh, you know, being in the NFL and coaching so long, uh-huh. he's going to go out and look for a guy that he's had on his staff before or he knows – so that he can come in and just, just don't say Jim Washburn, and I think uh-huh. everybody's not fine. By the way, he's not coming out of retirement. Uh, his <laughs> son Jeremiah is looking for a job as the on, uh, was an uh-huh. online coach. So interesting. Um, That's a name to maybe then think about, right? As an assistant online coach. Oh, that's right. He's an O line coach. Wait, wasn't he a D line coach though in Detroit? No, he was an O line coach. Miami? No, no. Okay. Jim, Jim was right. at Detroit as a consultant. No, no, definitely not. He actually Jeremiah was a. Online coach for the Bears and the Dolphins and yeah, you're right. the I'm Lions. Sorry. Now the, here's the other thing. I think when we really look at it, who could they get though as a online coach? Now I want to put something to bed because I, I got a question on Twitter about it. I was just I, about to ask you this. I think I know where you're going. All right, so people want to know. Okay, well, what is what is Frank Wright going to do for an online coach? His his uh, he fired his main guy and his assistant online coach Bobby Johnson went to the Bills. So what's he going to do? Well, I could tell you it's not going to be Jeff Statlin. And how do I know? According to the league source, he's got a year left on his contract. He signed through 2019. He's not going anywhere, folks. The Eagles worship this guy. Yeah. This guy literally could walk on water. And the, the, as you know, the players adore him. Yes. He's a phenomenal coach. This is another. By the way, this is a Chip Kelly hire. Right. So Chip Kelly knew what he was doing, yeah. getting him from Alabama. I, I want to do a podcast one day during the offseason and maybe bring in an offensive lineman who didn't play for the Eagles to get a really objective approach to this topic because I find really interesting that there is a dichotomy between how the old guard and the new guard feels about Jeff Statlin. I talked to a lot of former Eagles offensive linemen who who have told me that they don't believe in them watching the, mm-hmm. the Eagles play mm-hmm. that Jeff Statlin is a very good technician. Is a, And remember, look who was here for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. The ultimate technician, Juan Castillo, right? So they tell me that they think Stoutland fails them in that regard, but is a very good rah-rah motivating type. Now the Eagles, as you just mentioned, will never, they've never said a bad word about that. that. They love Stoutland. Not only that, not only, not only that i got another little little note to put out there. So Go ahead, drop we'll, it. we'll see where it goes. Okay, we're going to see where this goes, what I'm about to talk about, but internally, mm-hmm. now we don't know, we're going to get into contracts later. We'll, we'll, we'll see about Jason Peters, whether he returns or not. Mm-hmm. But there are people inside Novacare who believe that Jordan Mailata will be ready to compete for the left tackle job this coming season, which I think is preposterous. Yes, but, but I, I agree with you. And people have told me that they, they put everything that you saw on Mailata in the preseason on Stoutland. They right. said it was his coup d'etat. I mean, not coup d'etat, but his, his whatever you want to call it. His, his, his masterpiece. 
Right, right. So they think so highly on, on Stalin's ability to coach this kid. And Stalin's the reason why the kid's here. Right. That they think he's ready to compete for it. I'm like, well, who the heck are you going to have to compete against him if you move on from Peters? So they don't. That's getting too far ahead. They don't yeah, they're going to have to bring in a veteran just yeah. To, in so case, so we'll, yeah. again, we don't know about Peters yet. It's mm-hmm. too early. The bottom line is they've got a lot of work to do. They've got three, at least that we know of, you and I know through our sources, three coaches they have to replace. Actually, two. We'll see if they actually replace um, Eugene Chung. Yeah. You could always bring on what some teams do is they bring on coaches to do special projects. So they're, they're technically, they, they all assist. They won't have the title of assistant offensive line coach, but they'll wind up helping him. Right. So they don't necessarily have to replace Chung. We'll see where Chung goes, but mm-hmm. they've got a lot of work to do. Yeah, no, they definitely do. And by the way, along the lines of what you said, it's not just the Colts maybe, right? I just saw in a Sports Illustrated article that Nick Saban had tried to get Jeff Stoutland back recently huh. on his staff. But as you mentioned, Stoutland, under contract, team loves him, not going anywhere. Let's go and figure out, as I wanted to ask you about this, just being on, on team playing in the NFL, like kind of the inevitability for players to deal with the fact that the locker room is going to look a lot different and how to adjust. And I know it might have been a little bit different for you. You're not like 10 years in and worried about, you know, who's going to be in your, 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 your corner there. I mean, you're, every year you're just trying to make the team. But just from playing with guys who probably look left and right and wonder if it's the last time they're going to play or play with somebody. It's, a, it's ironic. 10.30 last night, I'm talking to a reporter, and we're talking about... Leave our pra- conversations out of this. <laughs> it wasn't you. And we're talking about the practice squad. Mm-hmm. And how you know what they get paid now, and how they can use that to keep people around, and, and where it was when I was there. And as a player, it's uh, the crazy thing about football, especially, is because the finality at the end is so crazy. Like in college, you know, if you are a sophomore or junior, you know you're coming back. Senior, you know you have to move on. Where in the NFL. Depending on your contract situation, you don't know. Although you may think you know, things could be surprised. But it is a very, um, it's a very emotional time because you have so much invested in your in your job, and you develop some tremendous relationships, and you really do become very, very loyal. And I was just reading the other day that uh, Sarge for the Sixers, when he got traded, he actually cried. Mm-hmm. Sarge, yeah. Sarge, he cried, right? I yeah. Mean, he, he, that's what I heard. So it does get emotional. There's other players that are be like, sayonara, sucker, I'm out of here. Um, like Jimmy Butler said to Minnesota. Yeah, like, like <laughs> peace, I'm, I'm out of here. I, you know, don't let the door hit you. Right? Exactly. But I think for most teams, and I think that this locker room and this coaching staff and this organization is – widely recognized as being a top five to play for in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. And they are positioned to win, and they are going to do what it takes. And are they, in, treated the right are they in position to have massive change and overhaul and still be able to maintain the authenticity of the locker room and what they've established over the last two years? No, I don't think you can have massive changes, but there's always there's going to be changes. Be. Right, there's yeah. always going to be changes. But I think the fact that Doug... And how we have really put an emphasis on hiring and bringing in quality character guys. Okay. And when you do that, you create, a- you, you create an environment and you have leaders in that locker room like a Jason Peters and what have you that he can really get people's attention mm-hmm. and they, they do fall in line. So it will be interesting because coming off the Super Bowl, and I think Adam mentioned it before, it was really unique to see a Super Bowl team not have the drama – that you usually see 
from Super Bowl teams. This team didn't really have drama that was negative off the field. Correct. No, nope, that's a good point. So, and then as as I said before, I think Peterson's image got really. Uh, positive nationally, not just regionally, but nationally. They saw the video of him hugging the players, and mm-hmm. that's going to be a big recruiting tool. I know the Eagles feel that way. Uh, separate from recruiting, there's players that go. And obviously the biggest name that people are going to focus on, starting fairly soon, Adam, is going to be Nick Foles. The Eagles have a week, I believe, after the Super Bowl to decide whether they're going to opt in or opt out. Foles can opt out, but then if he opts out, the Eagles could use the franchise tag. I've seen reports that they'll try to use the franchise tag and t- trade him. I find that very, very, very unlikely. Well, we don't know yet what they're going to do, but here's here's all you need to know here. So they have 30 days prior to the start of free agency, which is February 10th. It's Monday, I believe, or 11th, mm-hmm. which is Monday, um, to make a decision on his 2019 option of $20 million. If they exercise it, then Nick's got five days, and his agent, Justin Schulman, have five days if they want to avoid it. Um, but if they avoid it, they got to pay $2 million back. Mm-hmm. Um, if Nick says, you know what, I'll just stay on the roster, um, then the Eagles will have till the third day of free agency, which is March 15th, mm-hmm. uh, to to cut him. Uh, if they don't, his $20 million salary is fully guaranteed. Now, if this all plays out that he's actually on the roster, they're going to trade him. I mean, that's just, I think that's the least likely scenario. I agree. Uh, I, I think one way or the other, he's, we know he's not going to be on the football team. Carson Wentz is a starter. Right. Nick will want to start elsewhere. And then they have an issue with Nate Sudfeld, who's a restricted free agent. I'm told they will they will exercise they will they will tenor him as a restricted free agent. I don't know what level yet. It's too early to know whether to be low tenor or a second round tenor. Don't know that yet. But they're gonna do what they can to keep him. Uh, and if they don't keep him by a, a very big surprise, I don't know where they're gonna go for backup quarterback. Uh-huh. But they love they love Nate Sudfeld. You know what they've done to develop this kid. So sure. that's the quarterback position as we know it right now. I, I cannot see any realistic scenario where Nick Foles would want to opt in for $20 million because he, in my mind, has got to be able to get more than that easily on the free agent market. Not maybe a, not a ton more, I don't know, but what Case Keenum got last year? He got two years, $36 million. Right, that's a kind of deal. But, he, but here's what I would tell you, though. Even if he opts in, let's just say he opts in, right? Uh-huh. The Eagles aren't going to keep him anyway, and any team that trades for him they're not going to trade for him on a one-year a deal. One-year they're they're going to want to redo it anyway. Right. So uh, people get too involved in what may or may not happen. If you're an Eagles fan, this is all you need to know. He will not be on the roster come March 13th. But I think the franchise so tag thing is, is oh. something people get caught up in because they the risk involved. I mean, I could see Howie thinking he's got a deal and wanting to you know franchise tag him just to hold on and preserve and maybe get another guy in but if this thing doesn't work out then you got 25 million dollars guaranteed one year you're, you're not going to first your all, backup. the only way you know you're going to franchise him is if you have a deal done okay right. that's the first thing number 2 you have to talk to Nick and his agent they have to okay it because you cannot facilitate a trade on the franchise tag unless you sign the tender number 1 right number 2 you got to be agreeable to be traded that team because they're going to want to. You have to get extension done. Exactly. Like you're not trading no for a guy. giving up anything for one year. Right. Right. <laughs> right, right. So that's kind of where that is. Uh, we we just discussed. Um, you know, Carson Wentz will be the starter. We'll get to injuries later. I've I have a information on every injured player. So overall, the Eagles have a lot to deal with here, Jeff, because right now they are severely over the cap, and they've got a lot of work to do with these contracts. Oz. Where, is there a scenario around the NFL you feel like will be best for Nick Foles? I know that some coaches still have to be hired, and so it might be, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Bill Musgrave winds up somewhere, and he was with Chip Kelly, and that's when Nick Foles was 
had his dream season yep. several years ago. But is there a team that stands out to you? Well, the situation for the Eagles, they're going to try and do the best thing so that they can get some, you know, uh, a trade value for him and get the most back. That's that's the bottom line. So if they that, if they wind up opting in, yeah, correct. So that's that's the thing. You, you know, he's got a guy that you have some value, and you know, you still have a guy coming off an injury. So they got to figure out what they're going to do, and they definitely want to get the most value from him and put him in the right position. For him, you know, it's obviously if he can go with a team that's familiar with him. So. Maybe wherever the Flippo lands, or maybe uh, depending on, you know, uh, rumored to be Jacksonville. By the way, well, that could be something that you know that's a possibility. And Doug mm-hmm. Peterson knows people, and Andy Reid knows people. So when he's got those experiences and they've seen Nick play, to get a system like that, right. I think could possibly right. be uh, a good thing for Nick. So what I'm really interested from your vantage point as someone who is a prof- you were a pro scout for the Chiefs, which means I, I know you just scouted college players, but your your primary job for them was to scout the free agents around the league. And my most and the thing that I concentrated on mostly was receivers and quarterbacks. Receivers and quarterbacks. Yep. How do you based on your experiences think that the league, the teams around the league that need quarterbacks are going to view Nick Foles who has such a a wacky career, such a roller coaster career? How do you imagine that being that 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 scouting process going down. I, I really don't understand some of the shots that this guy's taken because he's a winner. I mean, I know that he had, you know, ups and downs, but every quarterback has ups and downs. And Carson, no matter what he does here, there's no given that he's going to get into the Super Bowl, right? That's the first thing. Right. There's no given that even if the Eagles get into the Super Bowl, that they're going to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And there's no given that if they do both of those, that he wins the MVP. So, Nick Foles has done something that is is very hard to replicate for any great quarterback. Is he scheme specific though? I do don't other, believe he do is. Do you think you can look at a team right now and say that's a bad fit because they're a sh- they're not a shotgun based team or they're more of a of a of a two receiver two tight end team than a three wide you know anything yeah, like, like like a like a Ravens that's not a, that's not probably wouldn't be a good fit for him right now with the scheme that they have. In I place. don't even their their scheme has been changing so much uh, now <laughs> exactly and maybe the Vikings with the, with the way they like to run the ball but I think that Nick is a guy that we've seen that can do a multitude of things but if you put him in a position where he doesn't have to necessarily win the games for you and you have a good defense. And you have a decent running game, and you can play action, Nick, mm-hmm. and you can roll him out because he can move the pocket. He's very good that way. And you can also, he can, he's a rhythm quarterback, too, where he throws off the rhythm one, two, three. I think this guy showed that he can either play under center or play in the shotgun. So I think a team that is built to win and has some huh. weapons out there that are good. But if they don't have offensive weapons, they don't have a good offensive line, there's going to be a trouble. Do, do you know the team that Billy just described that's perfect for the for Nick Foles? And this is why it's kind of important to talk about the Eagles maybe opting in at him and discussing I a trade. I say. Go ahead. Because they play about an hour and a half I northeast of here that, in Giants. North Jersey. I mean, you put Nick Foles on a team with that, and I'm sure that they'll try to continue to address the offensive line. And you put him with Saquon Barkley, and you put him with Evan Ingram, and you put him with Odell Beckham Jr., and you put him with Sterling Shepard, and a defense that has some talent on and, it's got And Evan Ingram and Pat Shermer, who and coached Pat, him. That, that was what I was going to get. Yeah, Pat sure. Shermer. Sure. So sure. Now, now, how do the Eagles react to that? If they, and by the way, I don't think it's a great fit, but Washington's also going to may need a they quarterback. Need a, they, no, they're going to be adding quarterback because they don't have one right Right, now. right. So you're the Eagles, yeah. and that to me means that you try your damnedest to see if you can work something out with Nick to trade of the Jacksonville. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Do you guys? Does it matter to you? Let, let, again, we're, this is we're just we're just discussing this. This is probably not going to happen anyway. But what would you feel like if you're a team and you had Nick Foles? 
would you care that you trade him to the Giants if they, if that were to happen? Right. You, you're, it's, it's a great question. Division. Does because, it matter to you? Because you they traded McNabb to Washington, I was just right? To say, they traded McNabb Which to Washington. Different. So what happens? Well, I, 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 I think that if you, I think it, I think here's what really matters. If you truly care about Nick, you want to put him in the opportunity for him to succeed. Mm-hmm. That's what you say. But you don't really want him to succeed in your division that you're fighting to win, so you got to be careful with that. But really what it comes down to is dollars and draft picks. Mm-hmm. And that's the, what thing is going to talk. If you're the Eagles, that's what you really is most concerned. To answer Adam's question, though, and use, to use that McNabb comparison, Donovan went down to Washington. He was sour about being traded. He went to play for a coach that is nothing like Andy Reid and Mike Shanahan, nothing schematically like Andy Reid, nothing personally like Andy Reid. And Donovan himself was not only sour, but had reached the point of his career where he was declining and he was a little bit, of, it was more than a little bit aloof, okay? Nick Foles is a player who's never going to be called aloof, who's shown that he can win in a variety of different ways, would be paired with a head coach like Pat Shermer, who's already experienced with him, runs the same scheme, and he's going to a team with a lot better tradition and a lot more weapons than Washington had when McNabb went there. So to answer your question, yes, I'm way more, as I would be way more concerned as an Eagles fan about Nick Foles going to play for the Giants than I was 10 years ago, wherever along was, than Donovan to go play for Washington. So you're saying you wouldn't do it if if the opportunity arose? I would say I would try my hardest to make it not happen. And again, Nick got a lot more leverage than most players have here so he could make this happen on his own but if I were the Eagles and Howie I would try my hardest to not let that happen. I I hear you so there are a lot of things that could happen here and this this is going to be fun to see what happens here. We know he's not going to be an Eagle in in, in 19. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of where they trade him to if it comes down to that or where they let him walk to because by the way and this this also plays into it if they let him walk they get a compensatory pick for 2020. Probably a third rounder. It, it, that would be the best they can get, depending yeah. on several factors. But it plays into it. There's no question about it. Yeah. I think you know it's interesting is a guy like Bruce Arians who's starting over, who's going down there, and you know he's known to work with quarterbacks and he's worked with some great quarterbacks. That's interesting because most yeah. people think that he is going to revive Jameis Winston, and you're kind of almost insinuating that maybe he moves on. I, no, they're not. They, they're no, not. They're not. they made that decision. It's going okay. to be Winston now. That's that would be smart for them, the Bucks, to add a sure. veteran quarterback to Absolutely. compete against him. Yep. Um, but they're not going to do that. That that was probably the, one of the biggest surprises for the Buccaneers is that they made a decision that James is going to be their guy this season after all the turnovers. But they're hoping that Byron Leftwich is going to call the plays on a Bruce will get the job done. That's another story for another time. But right. th- this Eagles, t- they have so much from a roster management standpoint, guys, to get through here. So mm-hmm. um, we, we, we talked about the quarterbacks. There's a lot to get through. Yeah, I was going to go right to the offensive line about here. Buffalo. Buffalo is another good spot for a guy like Nick That's because interesting. they're you know they're they have their running game. Sure, they're missing a quarterback. They have a bunch of they've had a bunch of issues there. All right. Well, like yeah. Adam said, we, there's going to be a lot it's of t- be a you, lot you'll hear of the fun. chatter come up a week after the Super Bowl. Let, let's let's talk about the offensive line because that to me is a a big big issue going forward because of certain players. Right, left tackle Jason Peters, center Jason Kelsey. There's been reports. That Kelsey was considering retiring. He kind of told the media, "Look, I I do this every year. There's no there's no accuracy to the idea that I'm definitely hanging it up." Correct, Adam. What do you know about it? Yeah, I don't I don't know where this started. Here's what I could tell you: anything this idea that he's likely to retire is completely false. Talking to multiple sources, you're right. I haven't met a player in the 30s other than maybe a couple quarterbacks that I got to know that didn't think about retiring when they get to that age. Mm-hmm. This is not the NBA where you have fully guaranteed contracts. You have partial guarantees and you have no guarantees at all. Kelsey's guarantees expired after the 2016 season. So he's got two years left on his deal. 
2019 is six and a half million, 2027 million. My sense is that they're probably one way or the other. They've they're not going to have a choice. I think they're going to have to re- adjust this contract because mm-hmm. if you're Jason Kelsey, let, let let let's tell the truth here. I'd reported for ESPN back in. When did they say Milo get drafted? 16? 2016. Okay. Wow. Is this going to be his fourth year, 2019? It God, is. Time has flown. That he was available. Okay. I didn't say they were like pushing to trade him, but if you wanted him, you That's could right. have him. Because Sam Milo was rejected at center. That's right. Correct. You and I had similar information. So yep. he was available. They didn't trade him. And somehow, I don't know how, he became pretty much the player he was. Many years ago, remember he tore his ACL against yeah. the Ravens many years and ago. And by the way, it wasn't because he snapped his fingers. He's been working his rear end off in the off seasons for the last mm-hmm. three years. And he is, I mean, I, he's back to being a top five center at 31 years old. I mean, this is a testament to him and his hard work. No what doubt. a great guy. One of the best Eagles of all time from the offensive line. So I, they're going to have to probably do, just my senses, no one's told me that, but it's mm-hmm. my sense, that to, to make this work, he deserves it because he signed that deal I broke that story in, I think, 2014. Mm-hmm. So, it's guys, it's five years ago. Adjust his contract. Well, do you remember? Sake. He signed a seven-year deal. I know, and everybody I said, know. why would you sign a seven-year deal and put yourself that far away from free agency? And do you remember what Jason said? He said, I'm never going to be that guy who complains about the length of terms on my deal. But I don't, I don't even – I think you're right. They should do it for cap reasons anyway, but also for to reward him. But – I got the same information as you talking to people close to him that he's not going to retire. They're very likely. I, I should say, know, I'm sorry. Yeah, I wouldn't say, say that for sure. Let, let me, yeah. Yeah. I was just yeah. about to correct myself yeah. that yeah. that report was not exactly right and that he is likely to play. But the one insinuation that I got is that where in the past he was would say, yeah, I'm going to retire. And then, you know, two weeks later, talk himself into it. If you were to put a percentage on it, it might be a little bit of a higher percentage this year that he would really have done it. They still think he's going to play, but I think we're just getting he's getting a year older. He's always battling injuries, and as you mentioned with the contract, it probably put it in his mind, do I want to keep doing this for that money? I mean, Ozzy, you had to retire and give it up at some point, and you went through a lot of injuries in your career, and it's a difficult decision to make the risk-reward of, of your security, of your finances versus what you're doing to your body. Yeah, and I think a guy like Jason Peters has, has, has a lot of money. He's got all the money that he wants. Uh, he, you know... For him, he would want to come back and because he likes the locker room and he wants to win his championship again. Mm-hmm. And I think that Doug really handled him in a way that will maybe think that he can say, you know what, maybe I can do this another year because he didn't push him. He did bring him out of drills. He didn't make him have to dress. He kept him out of games. And we see the difference, man. When Jason is in the game, mm-hmm. it, it the last six or seven weeks – he played as good as any left tackle in football. I mean, he went Despite up Despite dealing with an elbow injury. Exactly. I mean, think about the guys that he went up against over the last seven weeks. And they were, I don't even remember calling their name. They were like non-existent. They basically just got stopped every time. That's right. And they even got him out on a couple screens. So the big boy can still move. Uh, he's smart. I've never seen a guy get off the ball so fast. Did you see when that ball snapped? I mean, he gets, that first step that he takes mm-hmm. Is the fastest drop left step that I've ever seen in football. I mean, it's it almost beats the football backed in the shotgun. Oh, the the, quarterback. There was a play this season where Bills talking. There was a there was actually a very interesting play you could see on all twenty two where literally the ball snapped and he's blocking defenders before they could actually get off the ball. It's really incredible what he's been able to do, and he, it's a testament to his hard work, Jeff. You're right and. He's been a great eagle, and 
I mean, what else could you say about the guy? He des- he deserves to uh, get his contract adjusted. Uh, we'll see what they do. Look, it's the Eagles' call. I mean, we'll see what they do. All right. Yeah. Well, the next big concern then is left tackle. It's Jason Peters. He's been un- also been a great Eagle. Clearly been hampered by injuries. That's Clearly, what I was talking about. I know. Okay. I was trying to not point that out, okay, but that's yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you could My follow man. along a little better yeah. that we were talking about Jason Kelsey, I, was... I would love you, Ozzy. Oh, but that's okay. Uh, it's a good segue. Thank you for that. But it was actually Kel- – no, Kelsey was – I know you were actually yeah. talking about Kelsey. Yes. He was talking about Peters, and I was trying to bring it all together without exposing either of you. Both but Jasons. Okay. We both yes, failed. Jason, exactly. I failed in my job. But anyway. No line. We're good. So to piggyback off what you're saying, though – Oz is that as good as he is, as fast as he is, he's been injured, he's coming out of games, he's old, there's no doubt about it, and every day, every week you practice and you give this guy all the reps, and then he can't play past a series or two, that's detrimental to your preparation and the guy behind him. What do they do in this situation? I convinced myself two weeks ago that they should bring him back. Because, Adam, do you have the contract number next year? Yeah, so he has one year left on his deal. It's is it an 10.6? Option. It's, well, his cap number, okay, here's the deal. He his cap number is really, 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 really big. It's thirteen point one six million. Right. It's made up of his five point seven five million base salary. Mm-hmm. His two point seven million dollars in proration. He's also got a two million dollar. He has two million dollars in I think per game roster bonuses. Yeah. So it all equals just over thirteen million. Now, that was my point of this when you and I have been talking, Jeff, throughout the season, where they can't bring him back under that contract. Clearly they can't because it's just ridiculous. Yeah. At his age, and as you, you correctly said, he keeps leaving games early. But I think Bill was talking about this. He still is playing at a good level. That's the problem. He's going to play somewhere next year. Someone's going to sign him to a one-year deal. But, if he goes but look, they're in a cap crunch. It, here's the way I weigh this. Who's his replacement if you let him walk? Big V is not – I don't. to me, v, Big V is not ready to, to be the guy. He Agreed. hasn't shown me enough. He did not – despite the way that he played during the playoffs last year, which was very solid, mm-hmm. he did not build on that. And, and Jeff, I get what you're saying about it would be nice if they could give a little bit more preparation. I get all that. But if he's going to be the guy, what if, Big v, played, what if Big v played right? Would you be more comfortable if Lane moved to my, left? My understanding is right? Lane does not want to play left. He, it's not that he wouldn't do it if asked. Mm-hmm. His preference, strong preference at the time when they had to make a decision, um, when Jason got hurt, mm-hmm. when he tore his Achilles. And actually, no, he's tore his, what did he do? Tear his ACL last year? It was what, what did he his. Do? Who, who, who? Jason Peters. His last injury was what? It was, it was his towards ACL. Quad. Well, no, what, no, no. You're right. Last year was the ACL. Right. My fault. When he got hurt, I'm told by team source that he said, "Look, if you really want me to do it, I'll do it. But I really want to stay at right tackle where I'm dominant." And you remember what Doug said? It's probably smart to leave him there because it's two moves right. if you do that. And he had practiced there all right. career. Right. So they tried Big V at work. So let's spin this forward. Mm-hmm. Number one. If Big V is going to the guy, going to be the guy, Jason Peters cannot be on the football team. That you can't be okay. We're we're, we're going to bring Jason back, and if I he gets agree. hurt, can't do that. None of that stuff. I agree. It, it's got to be one or the other. They've got a lot of money to save here. I mean, you're talking over 13 million. Um, one way or the other, he can't. If he comes back, you. I don't care if it's if his cap number is top 20 or top 10. It doesn't matter. The number the the cap number matters. It's you can't accept it at 37 years old and he can't finish games. Unacceptable. They got to do something with it if they come back. All right, here's my thought. I, I I think that if you can rework the schedule or rework the contract, mm-hmm. you do everything in your power to bring him back. And I think you're going to get Jason Kelsey back too because here's the guy. Here's the deal. When you get to the end of your career, you want to be in a situation where you can win. The Eagles are that team. They all believe now going into the offseason that they're right there and that they can make a run for the Super Bowl next year again, especially with Carson coming back and all the pieces in place. So those guys are thinking about that. It's like they're, they're rebuilding. 
So I think you're going to get Kelsey back. And it is not an easy thing to either draft or trade or whatever to get a left tackle or even a right tackle. All right? That's yeah. very hard Especially to do. Especially left. Yeah. Exactly. So my feeling, just personal opinion, is that you do whatever you can to bring him back. Bring him back in any capacity because he's a positive influence to the young guys. He's a coachable guy. He wants to help. You see him talking to the young yeah, guys all right. the time. Yeah, great. Sure. So yeah. even if Big V is the guy, I think Jason would be the type of guy that'd be like, you know what? I will be the mentor. And the coaches could say, listen, we, we're going to make a run at this. We just need you to stay healthy, get your reps in, and about midway through the season, descending, you know, there's going to be injuries, let's face it. So you're going to be a guy that either, if we don't start, we're going to plug you and play. Because I don't think it's that's going to work. Happen. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. <laughs> it's going to happen. I'll, I'll, even, no, I'll, I'll make you a friendly you, wager right. that that will never Look, happen. You, picked the, the, you picked the Eagles beat the Rams the first time, no. dude. <laughs> that was a great call. This is not happening. No, and I was right on Nick Foles in the preseason. Uh-huh. I sat here and told you guys right now, do not trade him because you can well, I was on that, too. Him. I never wanted them to trade him. I thought, we were, I thought there was a lot of people on this show that said that we should have traded him in the no, preseason. No, 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 no. Not this three-man But your point was right. Your point was right, Bill. I remember because – Carson was coming back a significant injury. God yep. forbid he got hurt. Yep. And that's you look, you and know. Was look, about Jason, Jason no, keep yeah, him on everything board. you said about Jason being a great influence and a guy who's helped younger players is absolutely true. It would be, in my opinion, detrimental to try to bring him back under on anything other than starter circumstances. Well, yeah, why why couldn't you say, Yeah, you're the starter? Why, why couldn't no, because if you benched him a week or two in, or decided that Mailata beat him out, he's not going to be happy about no, that. No, well, that's no, another no, no. story. Now that we did okay, so with Jordan Mailata, if he, if they think he's ready, okay, then Jason Peters has got to. Now, now that's a different story. All right, let me throw this back at you guys. This kid's never played in an NFL regular season game. He never played football in his life or practiced football in his life until last spring. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean to 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 be that forward thinking. And I know they have a big trust in Stalin. Obviously, if they didn't have Stalin, he wouldn't. They wouldn't be doing it. But are you really willing to do this, no. Jeff? Let's start with you. Are you willing? I, I, really what I'm willing, willing to, do to do is ex- say to myself, "I've gotten the most out of Jason Peters that I can ever ask. I want to part amicably now before I have a chance to make it ugly by having him come back and compete or or play a different role. So I'm going to part ways with Jason Peters. I am going to." sign a veteran offensive tackle. It's probably not going to be a very good one because their offensive line play is poor, but I'm going to have that veteran compete with Jordan Maialata and potentially somebody I draft in the first three rounds to play left tackle. Where's Big me. V going? Right. Oh, I'm Where's sorry, Big and, Big v v and Big V. And Big V. Oh, So okay. I've got... Uh, I've got as, at least as many options as possible between Big V, a draft pick, a free agent veteran, and Jordan Maialata. One of those four, I got to be right on. Or right. just good enough. To be able to avoid whatever I might have going forward with Jason Peters. All right, can I go on record now? No. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm, you had go, your I'm time. going on record anyway. We're talking about Jason Peters, yes, right? Jason not Peters. Kelsey. Don't be a not smart. Jason. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to pull the thing too to make sure that I know that I've said about with, with Carson and Nick. And I'm telling you right now, <laughs> Jason Peters is a special talent, a Hall of Fame guy. You don't put a guy in who's never played before in the left tackle and say protect the franchise quarterback, and we're going to run you out there. He's not ready. Well, I would, I would say the Jason Steelers Peters. did it with uh, the kid that the Chip Kelly cut. The defensive end, his name is Alejandro Villanueva. He spent one year uh, as a backup, and then he was a starting left tackle the next year, and then a year after that he was a pro bowler. Okay, I'm, I'm giving you my opinion. <laughs> Based on what I've seen from that line, I think Jason Peters is still playing at a high enough level to compete in the National Football League against the best pass rushers in the league. Right, I don't disagree with that. So I'm saying That's that the he, conundrum. Yeah, so he's I'm, a great player when he's playing. Yeah. So I'm saying you bring him back, 
because he finished the season healthy and then see how things play out. Barely healthy. I mean, yeah, I don't know about biceps. that. Yeah, I, I don't know about I that. Yeah. Man. I'm I just can't. telling you they're going to bring him back. All right, we'll see. We'll see. Let's uh, Real quick, the only other thing I think on offense to talk about is Aguilar versus Golden Tate, and I'd be very surprised if Golden Tate was back. I think even though we all thought that Doug should probably have given Golden Tate a lot more reps, he I, I give him credit. He proved us wrong. Aguilar came up big in December. And I feel like they're moving forward with him, Adam. Also, Golden Tate, though, he had the big catch against the Bears, and they, they, they just, sure. it was so inconsistent the way that they used him. It's another, it just shows you, and I've said this about the receiver position, it's so difficult for these guys to change schemes and philosophies. It's just different. And Golden talked about that. This is this a West Coast offense terminology. He had to learn a new system in season, and the coaches had to learn him. This is, it, it's a lot easier to plug and play a running back than a receiver. Right. It just didn't work quite as well as they would have believed or hoped. I think had they had they decided to bring him back, and I agree with you, Jeff. I don't think he's coming back. Mm-hmm. Had they had the cap space to do it, or, or just the ability to do it, I think they would. But they just—that's the least of the worries—is is bringing him back. What they need is speed at receiver. They don't need a possession guy. Right. Okay. So let's now shift over to defense. The defensive line is obviously probably going to be the area that is most addressed this off season. Brandon Graham is a free agent. Haloti Nada is going to be a free agent. Chris Long is going to be a free agent. And there's this lingering, what do they do with Tim Jernigan, who I, I, I think, and I want to ask you, I thought the way he played against the Saints, despite the uh, penalty that really hurt them, I thought he looked like uh, the Tim Jernigan of old. And uh, that $11 million next year has got to be a little bit on the table that's, for the Eagles. That's a lot it's a of high money. high number, but that's yes. what it was going to be anyway. I know, and it's not guaranteed. The guarantees have been voided because of uh, the issue that uh, he had when he was away from the team. I don't know what it is. No one seems to know, but... The um, workout gone awry. Well, whatever. Yeah, whatever it was, but he's three years left. He's still very young. Uh-huh. It's a guy that you have to give him credit. It's another good personnel decision that they made. I'm sure Joe Douglas had a lot to do with it, being that he was with Baltimore when he got drafted. Jernigan, to me, when he's healthy, is a 5 or $6, maybe $7 million player. Levin's too rich for me. The Eagles have the leverage here. They actually have all the leverage because yeah, there's no guaranteed money. Right. Uh, we'll see what they do here. Uh, also, Michael Bennett, $6 million, Jeff. That's uh, final year of his deal. Chris Long has a roster bonus due on March fifteenth. Uh, one of one million of it's fully guaranteed. Uh, he's a great third end. Um, How much is Long's contract next year? Uh, he's got one uh, three point five million base. That's not bad. Plus, he has a two million dollar roster bonus. Five and a half million for a, a backup. Uh, no, that is. I, I thought you meant really three and rich. And a half. Yeah, yeah, it's is. really rich. Uh, I think that Long is probably going to be out the door. I think you have to bring back Michael Bennett, Oz. I mean, he's... Would he you? There. Oh, oh, are you kidding me? Was there 30, best, second I know best he's lineman? great. 33 years old. You just have to make sure that you're deep enough that you're playing Bennett the same number of snaps next year as you did this year, or maybe a little less, but I think you get more from less in that regard. Yeah, their, their defensive line, and, and Michael Bennett became a beast back there. Fletcher Cock... Uh, Tim Tim Jernigan, you know, I, I thought he played really, really well. I mean, it, it was What it team does Fletcher Cox play for? <laughs> he played for the I think they were the, the, the Indianapolis Roosters. Uh, anyway. Indianapolis Roosters, yes, oh, exactly. Boy. The big um, Richards. <laughs> The, yes. the, big Richard, the, big the big Richards, yeah. Yes. Uh, That's why he plays with Long. About the, the thing, yes, the Long. And, exactly. But not with Smallwood. And, no. Exactly. All right, let's go. <laughs> and, uh, and speaking of Long, did you see what he said uh, when he got, he says, I will want to, I want to be in a situation where I'm not, uh, if the word he used was like, it was almost like, um, like a, the scheme was good. It wasn't like a, uh, like a trickery type of a thing. Like he wanted to be in a situation where he wasn't like, um, some kind of, it was just a used commodity. If yeah, so that. I think he was talking about when he was with New England for two years, they actually had him as playing as a three technique. 
Okay, which is not where he put. That's like a defensive tackle. Uh, for those you know listening, he's a pass rushing defensive end, which is why his, you know, he's had a career boon over the last two years, and why in New England he went there and you didn't hear anything about him, even though they won a Super Bowl. Yeah, he was playing as an inside, I think, rusher and run stopper. That's not his role. Yeah, I mean, it's you're right. It's you're exactly right. I think it's all going to come down to the contract situation and the cap hit, but. I think Jernigan is a guy you should bring back. Michael Bennett was it, it was a beast toward the end. Even when Fletcher Cox came out of the game, <laughs> he really you saw when they needed that stop at the end. Yeah. He was a, a beast. He got right in there too. So not necessarily on the uh, fake punt, but yes, at the end. I, of the I, I would say this to wrap this up. I, you got to bring one of those guys back just to have a veteran. All right. Uh, whether it's Bennett, who is um, turns thirty four next November, or w- whether it's Long as a situational pass rusher. I think one of them has to come back. I, that that I, that I would agree with. What happens with Brandon Graham? That's the biggest name that they thre- that are threatening to lose. He's well, here's the thing, guys. I mean, how many? You've got all these contractual issues with these defensive ends. Who you can't pay all? Right, but you got to bring someone back. I mean, you got look, look. Let's say they walk away from Bennett and Long. That would be a mistake. Okay. To walk away from well, Bennett. okay. Let's say you bring Bennett back. Mm-hmm. Graham's a free agent. You know that Barnett played well before he got hurt, so he's got to be a starter. That's a serious injury. He had a rotator cuff injury. What are you going to do? Like, how many guys could you bring back, Jeff? Uh, I don't know. Two? I, out of the four? I, Three? I, I mean, when you put the number out for long, that's a lot for a backup rusher. And maybe if they feel like they can get that from Josh Sweat next year. I don't I'm not listening. They don't but listen, look, 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 look. They like they him, but they're, they're, he's not ready yet for that. At some point, you have to, though, cut the cord and say, I have to rely on my ability to draft and develop players. So if it's not mm-hmm. Josh Sweat, you know, Derek Barnett comes back next year. Maybe they use their first round pick, which Mel Kuyper seems to think already that they will on on a on an edge rusher. This is a historic edge rush draft. So you know how he ain't coming out of this draft without at least one defensive end. That's what you when you have salary cap issues, this is what you have to do. When you're a draft and develop team, you have to let guys walk. The Patriots do all the time, the Packers, the Steelers, yep, yep. when they're good. And I think Chris Long is the type of guy that you say, thank you for two great years, but i got to keep somebody and, who's more and productive. And understand, the reason why they, they brought in Bennett and they have these older players is they want to make one more run. Talking to Eagles about it, they want sure. to make one more run of the Super Bowl. That is over. So I, I agree with turning the page. So that's a defensive line. We discussed the offensive line. Just other contractual issues. Um, Wisniewski has a $300,000 option. He's a fine six lineman. He's not a starter. He's too small. We know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nigel Bradham is a guy, Jeff, you've talked a lot about. Uh, he's got an $8 million base salary. I mean, you talk about guys who weren't pro- as productive as they should and yeah. maybe moving on. I, I, I have two questions I want to ask you, too. Number one is, mm-hmm. what do you guys think about Corey Clement? I mean, here's a guy that it, it's almost like he was well, silent it's amazing. the last couple weeks, right? I, I purposely didn't, when we went through the office, uh, offense, I did not bring up running back because I feel like we're going to spend a whole lot of time on that. Yep. But I shouldn't have, you're right, I shouldn't have just skipped it over when I did wide receiver and offensive yeah, no, line. I was just thinking about that, the, right? uh, To me, one of the big priorities, and I don't know if you rank it one, two, three, with this team there's a lot of needs and a lot of ways they can go. We'll get back to defense but later. But three oh. down running back. In a big way. Has oh, to God, be yeah. a must. Now, Corey Clement can come back. Yep. Josh Adams. I don't care who they bring back to compete for jobs, but they need a the, a number one three down running back. All right, so Josh Adams to me is a situational power back. If you want, if you go in a game where you want to run the ball a lot, he's mm-hmm. your guy. If you're going to go back to where they what the offense talking the Eagles about what they really wanted, they wanted a three down back. They don't have that guy. They've been trying to get one for three years. They really don't. Um, right. They need a guy who can catch, who can block, who's explosive. Whether they get that in the free agency, where they get in the draft, the Eagles will either have. Last time I talked to them about it, they said up to 10 picks is their forecast with compensatory picks. 
but they have so many needs as we go through this. I'm told with Corey Clement is we'll, we'll throw a little couple injuries out there. He's, he yeah. has a lateral he had he had a lateral collateral sprain. He had LCL surgery. sprain. Okay. I'm told he had surgery on it. Okay. Um, it's not ACL. I don't know where that. I don't know. I didn't see anything. Someone someone said something to me about it, but ACL said no, it's not. I'm told by an impeccable source, it's not. He um, he had the surgery. He'll be fine for the off season. When you know in, in April he should be on the field. Okay. Um, they missed him. There's yeah. no doubt. And he before, even before that injury, Jeff. I don't know what about his usage. I, I didn't. I don't know what happened. He also had a quadriceps injury. I don't know what happened to him this season. It was season. a very odd development yeah. with him yeah. as far as how they were using him. So I, I say this. The, usually you keep four, four backs, Oz, right? Yep. They, they need a number one running back, and then they can figure out. Uh, it sounds like they might bring Sproles back. So if that's two. If he wants to play. If he it wants sounds to like play. he's hedging. So the other right. two, make it a competition between Clement, Adams, and I don't know if they're going to try to bring a Jai back or just sign a, a veteran but they need a three, a young three-down running back that they bring in and, and from the draft. And, and one yeah. thing I want to add, though, just one thing. It's not like the Eagles decided they want to go with a committee. Thank it's, you. Yeah, I agree. Everybody says that. It's yeah. such nonsense. It, 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 it's, it's a media narrative. Yes. Exactly. Coaches never do. I've talked to ad nauseum offensive coaches. Probably the, my best sources are offensive coaches in terms of coaching right. coach staff and so forth. I've never had a coach saying, you know what? Let's just go with the committee. Yeah, it don't work like that. No, they, no. It's because it person. It's because they're not good enough. Yeah, so Sorry. it was out of necessity, right. not out of desire. That's a great point. And I, I wanted to follow up with both you guys. Do you believe that the Eagles are in win now Super Bowl mode? I do. Well, I well, hold on. When, think, when you say that, you know, what I'm saying is like the moves that they're making. You know, some teams move for the future. Some teams move. Bill, for last like year right they now. did. This past season, they were absolutely yes. going for it. So, yes. are, you, are you thinking that now going into the off season, they're saying we're still right there? We need to see a couple pieces, and we're going to go. Our 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 goal is. Um, Super Bowl. I think they have to make decisions more geared now toward the future than t- the the the. the, the what do I want to say? The distant future than the immediate future. Okay, so but I still think they go in every year knowing that they have Carson Wentz and they are going to add certain maybe one-year veterans to try to win a Super Bowl. I don't think they went into the year saying, we know this is not our year, like 2016, right? Right. That was like, let's grow Carson. I believe that they will believe that. And and Jeff, they did not know in 17 that they were competing for a Super Bowl. They they, they thought they'd be better. Right. Right. I I talked to them the trade deadline and they were like, oh, geez, we weren't expected to be in this spot. We need to talk further what we need to do here. Let's And they decided to go for it and it worked. But just to sum this up, and we'll, we'll and then our next podcast that the three of us are going to do, we'll go. I, I don't want to. We have so much more to get into free agency. That we, we don't do, have enough yeah. time. I don't want to bore people. Um, but this is this is probably Howie Rosen's biggest challenge to, in totality with seventeen free agents. One of them is a restricted free agent, Nate Sudfeld. And then what to do with these older players? Rodney McLeod. We'll get to in our next podcast. Bradham. We'll get to. We talked about Nelson Aguilar. What do you do with him? Peters, we talked about. Kelsey, we talked about. Foles, we talked about. We'll talk more. We've got plenty of time to talk about those guys. So right. to set up this offseason, this is Howie Rosen's biggest challenge. And, and that's my point. I sat in, I sat in uh, locker rooms and I sat in meetings where the teams were talking about, we're winning now. So mm-hmm. my question to you, and we can talk about this in the next podcast. No, that's great insight you give. Are the Eagles using this offseason to say, we are going to do the moves now because our goal right now is we know we can get to the Super Bowl? Or is it more or less, yeah. we're good enough but we're thinking for the future. I don't think That's they're selling out to win the about. Super Bowl, but I think they have the Super Bowl in mind while also addressing the growth of the franchise okay. in a major, major, pivotal, crossroads type of offseason. Got it. Real quick, I want everybody to know that every year in the United States, there's more than 3.8 million sports-related concussions, and that most of these injuries occur in children and young adults. Defend Your Head is leading a revolution in head protection with their soft-shell technology product called ProTech. 
Protech is a protective helmet shell made from specialized polyurethane foam that absorbs and dissipates the energy caused by a hit to the Protech cover. Protech acts like an airbag, delaying the time of the impact just like an airbag delays the time of your body and head from hitting the dashboard when a crash occurs. Protech is scientifically proven to reduce G-force impacts by up to 70%. So for more information about the Protech helmet shell used by Penn State, Temple, and Penn football programs, or to place an order for your Protech, email info at defendyourhead.com or visit them at defendyourhead.com. All right, let's as we wrap this thing up, um, the last thing I want to get to, uh, just a real quick fact or fiction, if you guys are up for that. You sure, guys up for that? Sure. All right. Very quickly, fact or fiction. Started off with you, Adam. Fact or fiction, the Eagles' leading rusher in 2019 is on the roster right now. Fiction, it will not be. They will address the three-down back issue going forward. Ozzy. Agreed. All we right. address it. Uh, and I agree with you, too. Fact or fiction, Ozzy, the Eagles will use their first-round pick on a lineman. Defensive or offensive? I either. just said <laughs> lineman, man. You know, come on. I write the questions. I know what I'm doing. Apparently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fiction. Fiction. They're not going to take a lineman. Adam. N- they will take a lineman. So, yeah. the way I see it. So, I you th- say fact. I think it would be a fact. Yeah, yes. I'm, I'm saying fact yes. as well. I think they will pick a, an offense or a defensive lineman. Uh, fact or fiction. Adam, Howie Roseman will make a trade this offseason to acquire a starter. Oh boy, that, that you put me on the spot with that one. I don't. I mean, this on. is why it's fun. That's tough. It's not like I go back in like a month and a half and say, "Oh, Adam, you were wrong." Yeah, it's, yeah it's, but how the hell are they going to get? A, they're not going to get a starting lineman. I would. I say, didn't say a lineman. A starter. A starter. No. Well, you got? Did you guys fail comprehension in high school? No, I say no. They won't be. They're not going to do that. I, and I'm not just saying this. I'm going to say, yeah, he, he's going really? to go for a starter, whether it's a whether it's a lineman or a running back I agree. or a wide receiver. I really? it might be a wide receiver. Or, uh, yeah, somebody who's very cost controlled. I would think maybe, they would maybe, trade maybe, away maybe. some starters. <laughs> well, that's a good point. That might be another factor fiction. Yes. All right, last one. Factor fiction, Adam Kaplan. Carson Wentz will play like an MVP next year. Yes, because he will be almost two years removed from the multi-ligament injury. All right, Ozzy. Yes, he will play. He won't win the MVP award, but he will play at spurts at the highest level. Okay. Clean sweep, because I say yes. He'll play at like, like, as you mentioned, like an MVP next offseason. Like. All right, that's going to do it for Inside the Birds, presented by Defend Your Head, makers of the ProTech Helmet Safety Show. Remember to check them out at DefendYourHead.com. Thanks to the listeners. Thanks to Go Birds, folks, and we'll catch you again next week.